This is Jesus. He's, he's speaking to his disciples, you know, as he's preparing for his Passion Week or his, his, his actual passion. He's teaching them. And he says this in King James, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So it's another comforter, which means they already have a comforter. And really, the, the first comforter is Jesus. The other comforter, the, the one that's coming, is, that he's going to pray for, is Holy Spirit. And then in 14, a little bit further down, verses 25 and 26, Jesus says this, These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remember, remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. I don't know how King James so permeates our kind of Christian culture, because I've, I just never read King James because it's just hard for me. I spend more energy trying to translate the Old English into the New English that I don't get so much from the Scriptures. But there are so many things. Even before I knew Jesus, I knew Scripture in King James. I don't know how that worked. But King James, because maybe, you know, for the last 30, 40 years, prior to that, 90% or more of all the Bibles were King James Bibles. So it's very um, deeply sown into the church, the, the, the reading of King James. And King James uses the word comforter. And that's not, in our understanding of the word comfort, not the context that he's speaking of the Holy Spirit that's going to come and help us. In... Uh, the NASB, my, the New American Standard that I typically read, or the ESV, the word is helper. And in the New International or the New Living, it's advocate. And even in, um, now this is John's gospel, in the first epistle, first John that, that he wrote, they didn't translate it, King James, as uh, comforter. They used advocate. It reads this way, my little children... These things are right unto you, that ye not sin, or sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That word advocate is the same Greek word as comforter in the two John 14 verses. And the Greek word is parakletos. And if you were to break the Greek word down into its components, para, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, kletos or kletos, would be para to come alongside, kletos would be to be called. So, the Holy Spirit is called to come alongside us. And the, the reason that King James translators used the word comforter is because that was the right word in the 1600s when they translated parakletos to English. But the word comfort has evolved to be something different than what it was. In, I guess it would be... <laughs> Elizabethan times. I, I heard some of this in a teaching from uh, a guy named R.C. Sproul. He used that term. So that might have been the, the time frame when King James was tra translated. Comfort, if you were to break it down, has Latin roots. Come is to come alongside. But fort is the, the root word of like forte. Like what's your forte? And, and that would be like um, what's your strength? What are you really good at? And so when they translated parakletos in that context to comfort, what they meant was he comes and brings you strength. Does that make sense? Because we think of Holy Spirit in some sense, and I'm sure this is true, as a comforter, as somebody who makes us feel better, who consoles us. 
But that's not what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 14. He's talking about someone who would come alongside us and strengthen us. It's an advocate. It's like a, like a lawyer. If you were standing before a judge and this lawyer knows you so well, would advocate, would stand and be strong on your behalf before the judge or before whatever trial it was you're being tested with. So the point I want to, you to understand is that Jesus brought them strength. He was parakletos, helper, advocate, comforter in the context it would have been used properly when King James was translated. He was leaving. That caused those guys to be really concerned, right? If you had walked three years with Jesus and he said, well, I'm going to leave, you would be pretty concerned about how in the world is all this going to work without Jesus because he's the fire that makes the whole thing burn. And he said, don't worry about that because when I go... One like me is going to come, only it'll be multiplied in that he was one person full of the Holy Spirit incarnate on the earth. When the Comforter comes, he will be incarnate in every single believer so that the power of the kingdom would be then magnified through all of the church. So we have Holy Spirit and we face trials and tribulations and things do you ever stop and think about what actually is happening in that moment? Like in the very moment of comfort, of him coming alongside and strengthening us. Can you imagine what's going on? Think about it for a minute. Close your eyes for just a minute and imagine um, spiritual warfare. And, and the enemy has found a weakness and is trying to exploit that weakness in you or me or you know, in the church. And Holy Spirit comes alongside What's happening in that moment? Because real things are happening in that moment. Real attacks are happening from the enemy. And real support is coming from the kingdom by way of the Holy Spirit. The battle is fought. I don't have enough hands. In between our ears. The battle is fought in our thoughts. The, I was having a conversation just, just on the patio this morning about this, this thing that goes on where the prize is our souls. Our mind, our wills, and our emotions. The, the, the thing that we act out of is our soul. It's how we perceive things. It's, it's, it's how we speak. It's, it's, it's how we feel. And the enemy, by way of our flesh, is trying to influence our soul for his purposes. God, through Holy Spirit, is trying to influence our soul for his purposes. And the soul, basically, the command of the soul happens between our ears. So what's literally happening is someone is lying to us in that moment, and somebody is coming alongside of us and strengthening us. I, I believe with all my heart, it's like you, you don't, if you don't really think about it, you, you can have some mystical perception of what's going on. There's like this power battle going or whatever. But what's happening is the Holy Spirit is using the tool that is probably 90% of how he strengthens us, which is truth. He's speaking truth to us through our spirit trying to gain control of our soul to act godly and Christ-like versus what the flesh, the enemy is trying to work through the flesh. So in that moment, what's actually happening as the comforter, the one who comes alongside to strengthen us, is doing is he is bringing truth. The truth is that you have been blessed, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. But what about whenever such and such is going on? But what? Matter of fact, that's a word that needs to come out of our vocabulary. I've had the opportunity, honor, 
in the last few weeks to minister quite a bit to a person, a couple of people that are really struggling. And I, and I can see so clearly the battle. And I'll tell them the truth. And they'll, their first response will be, but. And I'm like, no, no but. Seriously, no but. If God's word says A, and your circumstances are such that it's hard to believe A, and somebody shares with you A, which is true, and you start the response with but, what you're saying is, I don't trust God. His word might not be true for me. And it means that we're now looking through the eyes of nature and not through the eyes of faith and trusting in God. And it's when we trust in God that we agree with God that it empowers truth to operate in our lives. And the same exact is true when we listen to the other voice. And the other voice doesn't come and say, hey, listen, here I am to wreck your life, to destroy your marriage, to wreck your relationship with your kids. It comes from someone that sounds like light, masquerading as an angel of light. And as soon as we hold on to it and listen to it, we start to empower that poison to steal, to kill, and destroy. Okay, so... I was listening to um, some teaching that somebody gave me the other day, and they talked about this guy named Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee is a Chinese guy, um, just tremendously gifted, and he wrote a book about Ephesians, and the title of the book was Sit, Walk, Stand. And I was happy because I knew exactly what he was talking about when I heard those three words in the context of this book. And it's like Ephesians is giving us instructions in life, in releasing and maintaining and and growing the kingdom of God. And, And thematically, you could almost see it in these three words, sit, walk, and stand. So sit comes from Ephesians 2, 1 through 7 to give us context. And you were dead in your trespasses. Now, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. In the storm, we are in Christ Jesus. In the glory that we see, we are in Christ Jesus. When the storm comes and the test comes or the challenge comes or the attack comes, we don't stop being seated with God. We're there now. We're literally there now. Because, see, we're not any longer who we were before. We, weren't, we aren't any longer citizens of this world. We have to see ourselves in the context of new creations in Christ, like Christ, in Christ, seated in heavenly places. So we don't fight the battle from the perspective of trying to win. We fight the battle from the perspective of knowing we've already won because we're already there. And then people want to say, but what about? It's like, but what about nothing? I am seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus right now. I'm there. It's already happened. What about this other stuff? I don't know about this other stuff, but I know what he says is true. Sit. Then walk. In Ephesians 3, 
Now to him, God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. What's the power that works within us? It's Holy Spirit. It's the Comforter. Hmm. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, so because of all that stuff that he is uh, able to do more abundantly, abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen therefore I Paul the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience showing tolerance for one another in love be diligent to persevere or to preserve excuse me the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace we are in Christ. We're in Christ. And we are able to walk in accordance to the calling to which we've been called. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? What about when you make a mistake? Do you doubt that? See, the mistake's not the issue. The faith is the issue. The faith is the issue. It's understanding that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Right now, with God, in Christ Jesus. The second thing is we're called to walk in a manner worthy of the call to which we are called. A high call. What's the call? To be like Jesus. Literally as he was incarnate on this earth. As the Father sent me, so I send you, says Jesus. It's easy to believe when things are going well. But when they're not, when we're challenged, when we're, when we're tempted, do we believe it? When we stumble and fall, do we believe it? Answer is yes. We are able to walk in a manner worthy to the call with which we are called, the high call of God, unto be like Jesus. The third word was stand. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. I can't wait till we get to Ephesians 6. It'll probably be in every sermon, the Ephesians 6 part. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Right? Chapter 6 is the last chapter of Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all that, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So, do we believe that we can stand against the schemes of the devil? Do we? We should, because we can. Because we're enabled, because we have Holy Spirit, the power inside of us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, which is literally the same power because he didn't see it as something to be attained to be like God when he was here. It was Jesus the man, filled with God the Holy Spirit, that did all the miracles that we see, that did all the prophecies, the words of knowledge, that knew things that he couldn't know. It's faith. It's believing. So back to today's actual verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The word blessed almost always means happy, joyful, Oh, you bless me so much, you make me happy. God blesses me, it makes me happy. But blessed, it, the word here is, is the Greek word that we would have translated English to be eulogize. It's to praise God. It's to, it's to speak well of God because he has given us these blessings. 
all these blessings. There is no blessing in the spiritual realm that he's held back from us. We have them all now. Circumstances don't determine them. I was praying. I've I've prayed and prayed and I've asked God for... um, I want thankfulness. I want to be grateful. I want to have gratitude in my heart. I want to know that I don't have anything unless that God gave it to me. Right? There's not one thing that's worth having that I have that God didn't give it to me. So I ask him, help me, because I'm not always that thankful. and I want him to change me, transform the way I think, to be a thankful person. And, and I pray all the time, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the other morning I was praying, and I was thanking him for everything I could think of. I thanked him that we have a house to live in, and I thanked him that we have a car to drive, and I thanked him that when it's cold outside in the wintertime, it can be warm inside my house. And all of a sudden I started having these thoughts about, I have brothers and sisters all over the world that don't have a house to live in. And they would love to have a car, but they don't have a car to drive. And when it's cold outside, it kind of can be cold for them wherever they're at. So I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? I know I should still be thankful, but the, but the blessing isn't the house. Because otherwise I could think, well, I must be some kind of special Christian because he blessed me with a house, but that one he didn't bless with a house. The blessing isn't in the house. The material is not the blessing. It's a wonderful thing to have, and it's good to have a house to keep you warm when it's cold, but the blessing is in the spiritual realm that enables me, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to know the truth, through the Word of God, to know the truth, to be able to withstand the schemes of the devil on the evil day. I don't know, I don't know that I totally understand everything he was trying to teach me in that conversation about thanking him for the house and thanking him for the car and, and thanking him for the food. That we have a refrigerator. Lord, I can open that thing up and I don't have to ever be hungry because there's so much food in there to eat. And then I thought, but man, I have brothers and sisters. God is not partial to anyone that don't have that same thing. So even though I'm thankful for it, it's not the thing. Because they have everything that I have that's important. The treasure is there, not here. You know what I'm saying? The ultimate spiritual blessing is Holy Spirit. In him, whether we have a house or we don't have a house, whether we have a nice car or an old car or a broken down car or no car at all, whether there's food in the fridge, my brother and sister that doesn't even have a fridge to put the food in has food to eat because he's faithful to meet their needs just like he's faithful to meet my needs. The spiritual blessing that's the ultimate is Holy Spirit. And we are absolutely fully provisioned in Holy Spirit for everything that we need. Do we believe that? And don't want you to raise your hand. Is there something that you think that you don't have that God's supposed to provide that that he's lacking in his provision? You have to put that down. Because it will become a fortress that will cause you not to have good faith in God. He is absolutely able. He said it's his good pleasure to release his kingdom to us and through us. We have to believe that we have every provision necessary in order to do our calling to live the abundant life in Christ Jesus. We have to. This all made so much sense to me when I wrote it. So let's ask ourselves the questions. Are we seated in heavenly places? Are we ever not seated in heavenly places? How do you know? 
Because he said so. Because he told us in his word. And by faith, that is the substance and the evidence of the things that aren't seen and the things that are hoped for, however they go together. Are we able to walk in a manner to which that is worthy of the calling to which we're called? Are we able? What if we don't sometimes? Does it change our ability? Why are we able? Is it because some of us are, are stronger than others of us? We're all totally weak in our ability to be like Jesus. So what is it? It's his ability, right? Are we able to walk? Yes. So if you stumbled a hundred times last week and the enemy is trying to tell you that you don't have the ability, that you're not going to be like Jesus, because, 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 you say, no, I will walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which I've been called, the high call of being like Christ Jesus, because he's able. It doesn't matter that we messed up. It matters that we trust God. And I promise you, in the trusting of God, the, the stumble and the trip and the thing becomes less and less and less because we are changed from glory to glory unto the likeness of Christ. And then the last one is, when the storms and the winds and the rains come, will we stand firm against the schemes of the devil? The answer is yes. How do we know? Because he said so. Because we have the Holy Spirit. Because he's equipped us. And, and this, you've heard it from me before. You're going to hear it from me again when we get to chapter 6. But the armor of God is not stuff. It's not like if we wanted to pretend that my iPad was a shield, right? Like, you know, a shield of faith. My iPad is not a shield of anything. Faith is a shield. The breastplate that I might put on in a prayer is, doesn't protect anything. There is no thing that says breastplate of righteousness that protects me from anything. Righteousness, when I walk that way, acts like a breastplate and protects me from the schemes of the devil. I have righteousness in my standing with Christ Jesus. When I walk as he walked, I open no doors for the enemy and righteousness protects me like a breastplate would from his attacks. Faith, when the, when, the, when the enemy whispers in my ear because I stumbled that I am not a Christian and that I don't have what it takes, faith says that I do. And when I say I disagree with you, I don't care what I did, I'm not using but as a part of my conversation, I have faith, it's the evidence and the substance of the truth, it extinguishes the flaming arrow, just puts them out. That's the tool. That's the power. What's the root of that whole thing? It's believing and it's truth. It's acknowledging truth. It's knowing truth and saying, what I see isn't more real than what I know because God said so. In John uh, chapter 20 and 31, he's, he's closing up this gospel that he's just written and he says, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. How do you have life in his name? Jesus says, the, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that you might have life. And not just any old kind of life, but abundant life. How does it happen? It's in believing. That in believing you will have life. Jesus said, if you, if you abide or you remain in my word, you will know the truth. You will truly be disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The existence of truth doesn't make you free. 
Not even the knowledge of truth makes you free. It's the acknowledgement of the knowledge of truth that makes you free. It's when you acknowledge it. When the devil says you're a loser and, and the truth says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, which one are you going to agree with? You might have even acted like a loser. That accusation might be how you acted, but it is not who you are. And that's where you have to stand in faith. But what about, but nothing, stop the but. I hate the but. It should come out. It's like a bad word. It should treat it like a cuss word. If it's part of a sentence and it's the right place for it to be, just leave it out. And just explain to somebody that we don't have that word anymore. So, our ministry, right? I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Our ministry is reconciliation. Reconciliation is people to right relationship with God. They can even be saved and still not have right relationship in their faith, in their believing, in their knowing. To reconcile people to the fullness of right relationship with God. It's also to reconcile people to right relationship with themselves. You know, I was... I'm sorry this is taking a long time, but I was talking to somebody and I was, we've known him for a long time. They've kind of you know, known me way before pastor. And, and I said, you know, the more that I, 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 I look and I see and I study and I read and, I, and I'm, I'm a pastor now, I think my calling is encourager. Now, not just, hey, you know, you're a great guy, you know, Yahoo. No, encourager in the truth. Because that's the opportunities that God gives me. Every, everything I see in the scriptures is about building up the body of Christ in truth. And I love it because people, they'll call me and they'll be all depressed and, and just messed up. And I get the opportunity to tell them the truth. And tell them no but, no but, no but. Because I know what's happening. That voice is screaming in their ear. And, and Holy Spirit is using me along with his own voice to help them to be encouraged to understand that I don't care what you did. I really don't. If, if you did a sin, then confess it. If you did something wrong to somebody, ask their forgiveness. But it isn't who you are. So we reconcile people, our ministry, between them and God in the fullness of that relationship. That's part of what we do. We have the word to help us to do it. We reconcile people to their own selves. Your identity, how you see yourself, is a relationship with yourself. It can either be in truth or it can be in lies. As long as it's in anything but what God says about you, you're going to have torment because it's coming from a place that's earthly demonic wisdom. It's somebody else saying who you are and not you listening to who God says who you are. So we, as a body, coming together, are responsible to minister, somebody said that word today too, minister the truth in love. To tell people who they are in the Lord. If they're doing something they shouldn't do, then we should tell them to cut it out. Because it's separating themselves from the blessing of God, it's hindering their witness for Jesus, and it's hurting them. So we come in tenderness and kindness, and we help them to be reconciled to the truth, because people act bad, because they're hurting. They don't act bad just because necessarily they desire to be bad. It's always, there's always a story. And if we are allowed to get close enough and minister in love, we find out there's a story and the story is pain. And once the story and the lie gets exposed, the pain goes away and so does the bad behavior. The last thing is to minister reconcili- <laughs> reconciliation between people. 
husbands and wives. It's the lies of the enemy. It's the pains in their hearts that cause people to... I talked to you last week about Therese guarding her heart, remember? And in the process of guarding her heart, she was withholding love. Because love exposes your heart, and somebody might not handle that love very well. Because you're vulnerable, and then your heart gets hurt. We don't have that option in the kingdom to guard our hearts in that way. We guard our hearts scripturally from lies, from false teaching, from what we allow in there, but not from releasing and receiving love. Because that's, in healing, is how relationships are reconciled. So, a couple more pages of notes and we're almost done. The enemy is a liar. I didn't write the scriptures down, but, but he's described literally as someone whose very nature is lying. He doesn't have the ability to tell the truth. He can't speak truth, only lies. His only tool is to be an excellent deceiver. We have to be excellent at seeing the deception. And sometimes I can't see the deception, but you can. And if you're close enough and we're intimate enough with each other in relationship, then you can show me where I'm being deceived. Because sometimes I've already given myself over by way of a fortress or a stronghold maybe in my own way of thinking to something that's not true, that's hindering my walk with the Lord, that's hindering his ability to be effective through me, that's hindering life in me. I'm, I'm dead in some areas because I don't see clearly, but you might see in that area clearly for me. He's only a liar. The only weapon we have, if you boil down all of the armor of God, the, the breastplate, the shield, the belt, the helmet, the sandals or the shoes, they all boil down to the sword which is truth, which is the word of God. It all boils down to truth and lies. That's all we have to battle with. That's why he's given us the paraclete to stand alongside of us. And how he strengthens us, how he comes in his forte, is to bring us the truth. we got to decide what we're going to believe. Which one are we going to hold on to? Are we going to walk by sight and make ourselves vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy? Or are we going to hold on to the truth and put that stuff down? The point I wanted to make through all of this is that we have every blessing in the spiritual realms. There is no holding back, right? Um, Is it Jesus that said that God gives the Spirit without measure? Maybe it was Paul. Anyway, the Bible tells us that, that the Spirit is given without measure. So we have no limit on Holy Spirit except for when we disagree with Him. I don't know if you're having a trial. I know people that are. And it's so gut-wrenching to show them the truth. And they still want to hold on to the pain and the lies because it's so familiar. If you know somebody that's hurting, pray for them that they will have eyes, that their eyes would be open, that they would open their eyes and see God. See the truth. Put down the lies. And if that's anybody here, I pray for you that two things would happen. First, that you would search the truth and you would, by faith, agree with what God says about you. And secondly, that you wouldn't allow shame or pain to separate you from reaching out and getting the ministry of the body who's given the word and the ministry of reconciliation to help you to be either reconciled to yourself reconciled to a person that you're struggling with, or more fully recognized, reconciled to God. Amen? Okay, let's just pray. Father, the first word 
that Paul used, that you used through Paul when you talked about walking the walk was that we would humble ourselves. Lord, I pray that we humble ourselves to you and not fear, not insecurity, not what other people would think, but only we would humble ourselves before you to walk in the truth. I pray, Lord, that we will believe what you say, not what we see, not what we feel, that the enemy is so good at working through the flesh to capture our emotions, that, Lord, no matter how powerful the emotion is, that if it disagrees with the truth, that we will put it down. And if we don't have the strength to put it down, Lord, give us the strength to seek out a brother and sister. And then if you would ever so honor us, Lord, to be that sought person, that no judgment, we would not focus one bit on the mistake or whatever the thing is that would cause shame. But we would only be concerned with reconciling back to truth. And we thank you, Lord, that we are able and are seated with you We thank you, Lord, that we are walking to the measure that you've called us to walk. And in in the places where we miss it, Lord, it's only that we missed it, not that it's not possible, that we will attain and maintain that measure and that in the evil time, Lord, that you will strengthen us through the truth and we will stand and put down the schemes of the devil. And we declare these things because you told us they're true. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Amen.